Welcome to the 13th Man Sports Show. It's the outside edition today, 86 today in Seattle, Seafair weekend, and we're going to do something that we have not done before. I am Brian Duchesne, Sterling Brown, not able to make it today, but I'm going to take a caller right away to start the show. I have Stephanie calling from Los Angeles. Stephanie, hello. Hey, Brian. I'm a big fan. Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. It's been a, a big topic around the nation, and everyone's saying that they ran up the score against Nigeria. But I don't really know what you're supposed to do when you're up 50 points at halftime. They pulled a lot of their starters at half. They didn't play a lot of their best players in the third quarter. But I think the USA is just so dominant that you can't really stop scoring. They hit so many threes, and even without the three-pointers, they still win the game. So it's kind of hard to say the USA ran up the score, but that that's a good question. And I, based on the way they played today against Lithuania, I don't think it, you can ever be too safe. You might as well run up the score. It is the Olympics and the tiebreaker. It's points that matter. So the more points you get in a tiebreaker, you're going to get the higher seed. So I think Krzyzewski did the right thing. I think the USA definitely played a good game. And it's Nigeria. They're not the strongest team in the Olympics. They don't have NBA players like obviously like the U.S. does, but I think it's a good question, and I'm glad you asked it, but I think the USA did the right thing by continuing to score, continuing to practice, but at the same time, they didn't bring it today. They only won by five against Lithuania, so maybe maybe they tired themselves out, but I think they did the right thing by scoring 156 points. Right. I mean, I tend to agree with you. It's the Olympics. You know, what are you going to do? you got to go to play, and you got to play the best that you know how, and I think that they did that for sure. Um, So I went to Michigan, but grew up in Seattle, diehard Seahawks fan. So I find it um, interesting, to say the least, that Braylon Edwards has just signed on with the Seahawks. Um, So what's your take on this whole thing? you think he's going to be a good match for the team? You know, what, what are your thoughts? Well, the funny thing about that is he's wearing the same number as Mike Williams was. In training camp, he's wearing number 17. Mike Williams was 17 with the Seahawks. I think they're similar players. I wasn't really a big Mike Williams fan. I was glad they let him go. Braylon Edwards had a chance to make it with the 49ers. He didn't. They released him. He's been trying to make a team. And, of course, he comes to Seattle, and Seattle is the team that he happens to make. So I don't know if I'm a big fan of the decision to sign Braylon Edwards. A lot of people are saying a one-year deal can't hurt, which I think that might be fine because they didn't sign him to a long-term deal, which is good, like they did to Mike Williams. They gave him a four-year contract extension, and then he just failed at producing, so they had to let him go after two. So I think Braylon Edwards, I don't know how I feel about Braylon Edwards. I think it's it's a risky move for sure, but to sign him to a one-year deal, it's a lot of that money is not guaranteed. So I think to give him a chance in training camp, make him prove himself, and then maybe 
cut him if he's not if he's not worth it. You can always release him. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. He's battling for the number two receiver position, and that's what Seattle really needed was a number two receiver. So I think it should be interesting, especially if Sidney Rice gets hurt. Braylon Edwards is going to need to step up and show everyone what he's got. But I don't know if I'm a big fan of the Braylon Edwards signing because he's proven that he's kind of hot and cold throughout the season. He's been injured. He's trying to come back. But Pete Carroll's all about giving people a chance. So I think it'll definitely be good to see what Braylon Edwards has. And I I guess I'll make my decision whether I thought it was a good move after the first few games. Yeah, I mean, totally makes sense. Like you said, he's hot and cold. He's kind of all over the place. But I'm hoping that, you know, I met him when I was at Michigan. Nice guy. I'm hoping that the chemistry will be right and that he'll be able to, to do some big things for us but like you said I, I don't really know how I feel about it either I guess I guess time will tell yeah and then uh let me ask you a question real quick what do you think about the Seahawks signing Matt Flynn do you think he's going to be good do you think he's going to communicate with Braylon Edwards Sidney Rice do you think he's going to be a good fit for the Seahawks you know I go back and forth on this to be honest with you at first I wasn't happy with the acquisition I I don't know I I don't have and at this point I don't have any strong feelings either way I'm hoping like I said with Braylon, I hope the chemistry is there. I hope that he can communicate. You know what? I think I think the choice could be worse, honestly. Like, historically, as you know, we've struggled with, with the quarterback situation, and maybe I'm just discouraged at this point. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I wasn't initially thrilled. Now I'm kind of just waiting to see what happens. But I guess I'm more positive more positive than, than I was. And, like I said, I feel like it, it could be worse. But, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Well, we saw how Matt Flynn played against the Detroit Lions through six touchdown passes in his start last year. That was the one or two games that he started. I believe that was the only one that he was able to play, and it was the last game of the season. And he came out and threw six touchdown passes. Obviously, Detroit's secondary was lacking a little bit. They had injuries. They needed help, which Detroit drafted this year, so their secondary should be better. But I think Matt Flynn proved that he can step up against certain teams, but I don't know how he's going to play against like the best defenses. And It's hard to tell in training camp. Everyone says Matt Flynn looks good. They say they all look good at quarterback. But the thing about training camp that people don't understand is it's non-contact. So you're going to go out and your team's not going to really try and knock them around, so they're not going to be under as much pressure as they are in the preseason or the regular season. So I think it's going to really take time to see how Flynn is going to adapt to Seattle, adapt to the NFC West, and then how he's going to step up and prove himself as a leader because he played behind Aaron Rodgers. But now he's going to be the quarterback that I think people are going to be trying to take his job. So instead of him trying to take Aaron Rodgers' job, people are going to try to come after him. So I think he's going to have to prove himself in the regular season and try to keep his job, and he's going to have to perform if he wants it. No, that's a great point, you know, trying trying to take someone else's versus trying to keep your own. I hadn't actually thought of it that way. Um, that's a great way to put it. So right now, if you had to decide, you know, you saw Tavares Jackson's performance last year especially. If you had to choose a starting quarterback for your team, let's say, who would you go with? Not Flynn, Tavares Jackson. Well, actually, Russell Wilson and Josh Portis are also in the mix right now. They say it's anybody's game. Obviously, Josh Portis... He played D2 in college at, I believe it was California College of Pennsylvania or something like that. But he he looks good in training camp. He looked good last year. I just don't think he's a good starter. Russell Wilson, they took a risk on him by drafting him because he's so small. I don't know if he's going to be a good passer. He's definitely more mobile than anyone they've 
they've had besides Jackson. They don't really roll Jackson out of the pocket, which I'm surprised with because he's got speed, but they like to keep him in the pocket and throw. But I think Matt Flynn, when you look at everything about the starters, if everyone performs equally, who do you start? You start the one with the biggest contract, which they just spent $24 million on Matt Flynn, so you can't waste all that money and let somebody else play while Flynn just gets paid the big bucks to sit on the bench. So I think I'd start Flynn definitely because I think he's going to be the best bet. He's going to have the most talent. And even if the other guys have as much talent as him, not more, as much, then I think you still got to start the guy that's making all the money. Makes sense. Yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much what it is from my point of view. I'm glad you think Matt Flynn is going to be an interesting, definitely an interesting experiment because it's it's always weird to experiment on a backup quarterback and then you make him a starter like they did with Matt Castle in Kansas City. He hasn't really performed like people had hoped from New England after he stepped in for Tom Brady after he got injured. So I think it's definitely going to be a different feel for Matt Flynn to start every game if he is named the starter. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think at at this point, even going back to, you know, when Pete Carroll became the head coach, wasn't quite sure how he was going to do and what he was going to do and all this kind of stuff. And like you said, he likes to give people chances and switch it up every now and then. And, um, you know, I I don't think we can even obviously completely predict how it's going to go but like I said I'm hoping for the chemistry and you know getting the new guys in there and making something happen for Seahawks yeah exactly well thanks for calling in and giving us your take asking some good questions it's been fun talking to you and thanks for being our first caller absolutely thanks for having me definitely see ya All right, so there is Stephanie from Los Angeles talking about the Seahawks. I think everyone's getting excited going to training camp out there, checking out the quarterback competition that's going on. And, you know, we can't forget the Olympics are going on. She asked a good question about Nigeria. Do I think that the U.S. ran up the score against Nigeria? They did beat them by 83 points. 83 points. You think a team is running up the score when they win by 83 but when you're up by 50 at halftime, it could have been a lot worse. And they only play 10-minute quarters in international basketball. So in the Olympics, they play 10-minute quarters. So it's eight minutes less than the NBA. So I'm glad it was only a 40-minute game and not a 48-minute game because who knows what would have happened if it would have been a 48-minute game. Maybe it would have gone to 200 if they're playing NBA rules. Jeez, that, that would have been ugly. But today, USA avoided the upset against Lithuania, winning by five points. Five points to Lithuania. Lithuania, one in three now is their record. They're one in two coming into today's game. And after watching USA play Nigeria, everybody thought USA was just going to come out and stomp Lithuania. But I feel like everyone had a slow day today. And a lot of the teams that played today that usually would be running all over the other teams, they didn't really perform today. And that's why the USA, I guess it shouldn't be really a surprise. It was just a slow day for everyone. And, for example, France, 73, Tunisia, 69. Tunisia is the only team in Pool A without a win. They're 0-4 now. France is actually 3-1. and So France, a decent team, their only loss to the USA. And they come out to Tunisia that has gotten blown out by every team. And they beat them by four points today. Russia, 77. Spain, 74. We had a close one there. Spain, 79. Great Britain, 78. And then we had 
USA and Nigeria yesterday, 156 to 73. So it's different. Thursday, the scores, France 82, Lithuania 74, Australia 81, China 61, Argentina 92, Tunisia 69, Russia 74, Brazil 74, and then Spain 79, Great Britain 78, and then today France 73, Tunisia 69, Russia 77, Spain 74, USA 99, Lithuania 94, and then a couple blowouts in the last two games, Brazil 98, China 59. Australia 106, Great Britain 75. So as the standings go right now in both Pool A and Pool B, China, Great Britain, and Tunisia are all 0-4, and they look like they will miss out on the quarterfinals and the next round. But Lithuania and Nigeria, that's where it's going to get interesting. They're the 4-5 and five seed in Pool A. The top four make the quarterfinals. But USA Today beat Lithuania by five points. Lithuania is the five seed. And the USA better step their game up because they didn't look good. They were up by one point with five minutes left to Lithuania today. And then they ended up winning the game by five points, which is not what USA was predicted to do. They've been comparing them to the dream team of 92. And then they come out today and they win by five to Lithuania. So that's not really dream team-esque, I guess you could say. What else is in the Olympics today? Phelps won his 18th gold medal. And moving on from the Olympics, looks like for all you Mariners fans out there, 51-58 and 58 is the Mariners' record after they beat the Yankees today 1-0. To but I think the story about this game, Felix Hernandez throws a shutout, nine innings, two hits, no earned runs, and Seattle wins 1-0, to so this is good for all you Mariners fans. They get rid of Ichiro. They're looking good, and the Mariners have been on a hot streak. They lost yesterday 6-3, to but the Mariners are looking good lately after they've gotten rid of Ichiro. They made the trade, Steve Delabar and Brandon League, and then they also sent Justin Smoke down to AAA. So after all that has been said and done, they have gone on a hot streak, so I think they're headed in the right direction this year. Let's see if they can keep it up for next year because I don't think they're even close to making the playoffs. But the Mariners, after they traded Ichiro, they lost 2 of 3 to the Yankees. But then after that, they swept Kansas City in a four-game series. They swept Toronto in a three to win seven in a row. They lost to the Yankees, and then they beat the Yankees today. So they've won eight of their last nine games after they played the Yankees the first time. And even if you want to factor in the Yankees series, they've still won nine of their last 12 after dealing Ichiro. So I think they're definitely looking good 51 and 58 even though it doesn't sound like a good record it's it's better than they have been and they have been climbing up the ladder even if they might not get back to 500 anytime soon they might go on a hot streak hey, who knows they could make make it back to 500 but I guess we'll just have to wait and see how the season pans out and how the Mariners are able to finish hopefully they're able to finish strong you never know though and let's take a look at the other Seattle team around here the Seattle Sounders FC it's one team we have not talked about on the show so far. It's episode three. We have to get talking about the Sounders. And I believe the U.S. Open Cup is coming up soon. The Sounders record in the MLS play, 9-5-7. Nine wins, five losses, and seven ties, that is. Overall, 27-9. and nine. That includes both international play and the MLS play. They beat Caledonia 3-1. to one. Caledonia coming out of the CONCACAF League and... That's one of the international teams that the Sounders play. The attendance was only 7,767 people. 
they don't really draw as many for the CONCACAF games as they do for the MLS games because it just doesn't seem like they're playing for as much. You want to win the MLS Cup. That's what you're out there for. But a big game coming up tomorrow night, LA Galaxy. Everyone likes to see their team beat the LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy has some stars on their team. They don't have the best record this year, which is surprising. I think they're letting their fans down this year after everyone thought they were super good. But that one's actually on ESPN2 at 6 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow. At Sunday, August 5th, they will be playing the LA Galaxy. Also, Sporting Kansas City, that's the U.S. Open Cup that I mentioned earlier, August 8th. That's Wednesday. That's a U.S. Open Cup game. That one is also at 6 p.m., so be sure to tune in. And I'm interested to see how much of the fan base between the Seahawks and the Sounders overlap. Obviously, they play at the same field. They share a field. That is CenturyLink Field, previously known as Quest Field, which is previously known as Seahawks Stadium. Whatever you want to call it, they play at the same place. So I just don't think that many Seahawks fans root for the Sounders. I don't think a lot of Sounders fans root for the Seahawks, but there definitely is an overlap, and I'd say about 20% of the fans overlap from soccer to football, but it's a totally different game. I'd have to check out the stats for sure, but all the Sounders fans out there, I know they they go and they cheer on their their team. They like to wear their scarves to the game and cheer on their Sounders. But then again, the Seahawks game is a little more, a little more hardcore. The fans get a little more rough. It's a little less laid back. But you know, that's the power of the game of football, and <laughs> that's Seattle for you. So we got. Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Sounders, and the Seattle Mariners all playing at the same time, including training camp, regular season for the Sounders, and regular season for the Mariners. But the question is, when are we getting our basketball team back? When are we getting the hockey team? And actually, it was voted, it was voted on last Monday by the KC Council. They have approved the arena proposition, so it looks like it's a positive for NBA and NHL fans around the Seattle area who are expecting a team in the upcoming years because if they build that arena, I think it's it's pretty promising that we're going to get a team coming up. So everyone that wants a basketball team, wants a hockey team, stay tuned for that. We should be getting that one soon, hopefully. And let's take a look at what else we got going here. Serena Williams obviously defeated Maria Sharapova today. Serena Williams coming out of America, Sharapova representing Russia. And Serena, from what I hear, just dominated the match. I wasn't able to watch it, but she beat Maria Sharapova 6-0-6-1. And Serena Williams was the number four seed, taking on the number three seed, Sharapova. But Serena Williams ended up winning 6-0-6-1 which all of you tennis fans out there know that's not even close. I didn't see the match, but looking at the score sheet, looks like it wasn't pretty for the Russians, the Russian tennis fans out there, Maria Sharapova. It was a good day for America, I guess. Give us one more gold medal. And Phelps winning his 18th gold medal. Like, I don't, where would you store all those medals once, <laughs> once you won all of them? Phelps obviously has a total of 22 medals, and... I don't know how he's going to store all of them in his house. Does he have, like, nails up on the wall that he hangs them on? Does he create his own little trophy room? I bet he can get creative with that. It's got to be pretty fun winning 22 Olympic medals. It's pretty nuts. But enough with Michael Phelps here. Let's take a look at the MLB standings for all you MLB fans out there. 
I believe the last time we talked about baseball, the Yankees had a nine and a half game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays. Now the AL East looking a little bit, little bit closer. Tampa Bay only six games back. Baltimore at seven. Boston nine and a half. Ouch. Boston fifty three and fifty four. And you can hear the frustration in everyone's voice on Boston when Pedroia's interviewed, when Bobby Valentine's interviewed. They all sound upset. Nine and a half out of first place. They're fifty three and fifty four. They're not even a 500 ball club. And the Boston Red Sox, everyone thought they were going to compete with the Yankees. It's August now, and they're still nine and a half back. Then you got Toronto, four games under, 11 games back. So I guess the race in the AL East might be a little closer than we thought between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Yankees, maybe even the Orioles. Maybe the Orioles can make a climb and a run at the end. But moving on to the Central, the Chicago Sox still in first place, 58-47. and 47. In the AL Central, they're up two and a half on the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers 56 and 50. And then you have Cleveland behind Detroit, eight and a half games. So not really right behind Detroit, but they're still eight and a half games behind the Sox. Minnesota, they're hurting. 46 and 60 is their record. 12 and a half out of first place in the Central. And then Kansas City, Kansas City looked promising for a little bit. They looked like they were on the rise. 44 and 61 is the KC Royals record, and they are 14 games back of the Chicago Sox. Moving on to the AL West, everyone likes to talk about the AL West. That's where the Mariners are. Texas, 62 and 43, currently the best team in the American League by a half game over the Yankees. Oakland, 58 and 48, four games back of Texas. The LA Angels, 57 and 50. Six games back of the Rangers. And then you have your Mariners, 51 and 58, 13 games back of the Texas Rangers. Moving on to the NL. We'll go over a few things in the NL real quick. Washington just leads Atlanta by two games in the East. The Central, Cincinnati over Pittsburgh by four and a half games. Cincinnati obviously having a great year, 65 and 41, the best team in baseball right now. And then you have Pittsburgh trailing them 60-45, and 45, still a very good record, but still four and a half out of first with a 60-45 and 45 record. That's how good Cincinnati's been playing. And then in the NL West, you have San Francisco and the L.A. Dodgers going back and forth for first place. San Francisco currently with a half-game lead over the Dodgers, and then Arizona right behind them just two games back at 55-51. and 51. So that's going to be interesting to see how that division pans out. And the Cincinnati Reds are the best team in baseball. Did I did I hear that correctly? Cincinnati Reds are the best team in baseball. That is weird to say. Cincinnati Reds were not the best team in baseball, not even close last year. But now they've made some adjustments. They're looking good. And we'll see if they can keep it up. Moving back over to the NFL now, Robert Gallery, who played for the Seahawks last year, Signed back with the New England Patriots. He couldn't play. His body was too injured, so he retired today, August 4th. And Robert Gallery was a big guy with the Seahawks. But after eight years in the NFL, after eight years in the NFL, Robert Gallery just couldn't stay around like a lot of guys in the NFL. The NFL is a rough sport. People are going to get injured. You don't last very long in the NFL. That just about wraps it up for today. But be sure to check out USA Basketball coming up Monday, 10-15, London time. USA will be playing Argentina. Spain and Brazil playing at 8, Great Britain versus China, France versus Nigeria. Tunisia is taking on Lithuania. 
and Australia will be taking on Russia. So be sure to catch the USA basketball team Monday versus Argentina. I believe it'll start at 2.15 Pacific Standard Time. And then in the quarterfinals, if the U.S. gets the one seed, they'll be playing the last game of the day Wednesday, August 8th against the fourth seed in the B division, which is currently Australia. Things could change, but it's not looking good for China and Great Britain, both at 0-4. But seeing as though the U.S. could get the number one seed in Pool A, they would play the four seed in Pool B, which would be Australia, in the quarterfinals August 8th. We won't look any farther past that because looking farther than the quarterfinals is just bad luck, and you can't assume that the USA will play in the semifinals, even though it's kind of expected. We're not going to look to the semifinals right now. So we're going to end on that note. Be sure to catch all your Olympic sports on NBC. Check out the water polo. Check out the rowing. Check out men's basketball, the swimming, gymnastics, whatever you want to watch. It's the Olympics. It only comes twice a year. Make sure to check that out. Seafair weekend in Seattle. The Albert Lee Cup this weekend. Blue Angels flying around. That's why it was too nice to do the show inside today. That's why I'm outside. But I'm going to wrap it up right there, and I hope to catch you next week. We'll have Sterling Brown back in the studio. Hopefully get our manager, Steffi Wheeler, back in there. But we will see you next week. This is the 13th Man Sports Show.